Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to learn tips, tricks, and stories from other investors in the field. If you feel we provide a value to you, go ahead and hit that thumbs up, share, whatever it may be. And if you'd like for us to cover a specific topic, let us know in the comments or reach out to us through our website. Today, we have a very special guest, so buckle up, grab your pen and paper, and enjoy the ride. Right, we are live. Janice, thank you very much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, to get us started, why don't you tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and how you got started in real estate in the first place? It's kind of a funny story, but okay. So I'm Janice Benstock, and I'm from Philadelphia, although right now I'm down the shore, the Jersey Shore, like like on the MTV show. So, <laughs> and um, I do business in both places. So summertime, I do more business down the shore because it's just nicer here. And I've been, I started as an agent, like way back in the 1900s. And <laughs> then I opened my brokerage about six years ago. And the way I got started was I was zigzagging the eight year route through college, you know, the lost soul sort of thing. Been yep, there? Yep, yep. Done it? <laughs> <laughs> so my last semester, I was I was scared I was gonna turn 30 and still be an undergrad. So I just needed eight credits to graduate and I just picked two classes and it happened to be real estate. And I was like, this is cool. And I sat for my exam and then here I am all these years later and I'm still doing it. I love it. I love it. So you were you were in college. You you didn't know anything about investing. Didn't know anything about real estate. Um, you were kind of pressed up against the wall. You're like, crap! I got to get these credits somehow. Chose real estate. Turned out to be a good fit for you. Um, and since then, you've been you've been a broker. Um, you, you, you do you own your own brokerage, or are you? Um, yeah, I own my own brokerage, and I also invest. But the funny, I forgot to tell you this part, right? So when I was sitting in class and realizing this is pretty cool about real estate, the one thing that scared the crap out of me was I didn't understand financing. So when I got out of real estate classes, I also applied for a job as a loan officer. So I did both for the first five and a half years. And it was like the wild, wild west. It was, you know underwriting by hand and you know like go out for beers with your underwriter and oh yeah this is a good file I'll sign I mean it was crazy but the cool thing was that I totally understand financing now so even though you know the guidelines have changed somewhat it's all still the same as it was all those years ago and that's what really parlayed me into investing because I know how to speak to investors because I understand financing and so that's why the crux of my business is with investors and actually, a lot of my agents are investors who just want to invest for themselves and get their license. So they have the MLS. And we also do property management. So we deal with a lot of investors. So it's in my blood. I love it. I love it. And uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, understanding financing is, it's just, it's like the Bible for, for investors. Um, you got to know it. It's the only thing that really, it'll push your business further um, than, than anything else can, um, besides being really good at networking. Um, so, I mean, you have this great background in the mortgage industry. Um, you've had tons of experience as an investor and a broker. Um, kind of take us to the two, I mean, you were just talking about it just a second ago, the finance side. 
Um, and and what does the process look like on the other side of the table for and for somebody underwriting a loan? Um, and from the an investor's perspective, what is it that will um, that will get you a higher appraisal in the end, and then will also underwrite loans better? So these days, everything, as we all know, is credit driven. You know, it's pretty much all FICO score driven. Where back in the day, it was more asset driven. Cash is king. So the lower LTV, the stronger of a borrower you are. But now credit scores have pretty much, because everything's automated and computerized now. So credit scores are key. But then, you know, that's just conventional financing or commercial financing. But there's also hard money. And there's just so many creative ways to do it. But I think that if you just understand the three basic pillars of financing are income assets and credit. Um, this is where I think people get get confused. And the simple lesson I teach on financing is this, and if I bore you, you can tell me to stop. But just to remember that when we're talking about financing, we're looking at two things. We're looking at the borrower and we're looking at the collateral. And sometimes people confuse that and they forget to ask the right questions because the borrower might be qualified. They might have the income assets and credit that they need, but the collateral is no good or the type of loan that they're looking for. So those are the two main things that we have to look at when we're running a scenario past a lender. And oftentimes, no matter how strong the borrower borrower is, if the collateral is no good, you're going to a hard money lender or you're going to some kind of portfolio lender where you have a relationship. And that's the piece that I see people all the time that are green and they're just starting out. They don't realize that the collateral has something to do with it. You know, they want to go get some sort of conventional financing on a mixed use property or an old warehouse. And I'm like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. So when you separate it out that way and remember those things, and then as far as the borrower is concerned, it's obviously going to depend on the financing, but you look at those three, I always talk about it like it's a three-legged stool, income assets and credit. And one of those, if one of those legs is shorter, the other two have to be longer to compensate or you're going to fall on your ass. So you have to pay attention to all three of those things. Is this G rated? Am I allowed to say that A word on here? <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's totally okay. We're on that. Uh, okay, on good. I didn't know. Cool. All right. I'll be I'll be sort of like censored myself though. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so income, assets, and credit. Those are the three, as you mentioned it, the three um the 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 legs to the stool that is mm-hmm. um, that is, you know, lending, that is getting a loan. Right. Um, and if you, if one of those is bad, then you need to kind of compensate in the other, other areas, um, or the other two legs of that stool. Correct. Perfect. Um, awesome. So kind of, I mean, you have a lot of experience in mortgaging in mortgages. I love that. Um, and you also, you're an investor yourself. So, um, kind of tell us what do you do in investing? Are you single family, multifamily commercial? So these days on single family, so I always look at it, you know, when I deal with investors or decide if I'm going to invest, there are two basic strategies and we know know them is renovate and flip or rent and hold. And rent and hold can also include some renovations or improvements, but it's going to depend on the market and it's going to depend on where you are in the market, what what you're going to do and what your investment strategy is. And obviously it makes sense to have a mixed bag and sometimes you're going to do one thing depending on market conditions and then change it up at other times. So years and years ago, I did a few renovate and flips and then I used that money to purchase my single family homes that now I have a medium sized rental portfolio. I don't like to finance. I like to pay cash. Oh. So, um, 
Yeah, because I, I'm, it, it, I just don't like to personally finance. So I, and, and being in real estate and doing a few renovate and flips, there's, you know, you make chunks of money. So it's, you can make a lot of money or a medium or, or small. A lot of agents make small amount of money, but even if you make a lot of money, it usually comes in chunks. It's not like you're, you know, so those chunks, if I take that chunk, it's either, okay, go buy an investment property or take two months off and travel around Europe. <laughs> what am I going to do? And so I sort of forced myself. It's like play chicken with myself. And I, sh- I just go out and I buy a property and I pay cash and then I'm done. And it, and it just sits there. So right now. And so what I like to do and part of being um, an agent, cause I'm a broker, but I, I still also go out and sell and I have been for a really long time. Part of being that is that I sort of get eyes on the street and I know where stuff's happening. And so for me, and I, I'm not a very like statistics person, but occasionally I'm visual. So occasionally something crosses my path that statistics and it really resonates. And a couple of years ago at our realtor association annual meeting, we had a, a um, economist. He does real estate economy for Drexel university in Philadelphia. And he gave her a talk and most of it was like over my head. It's all numbers and stats. And I'm like, I'm very touchy feely. Like I just go out and feel what's going on. But he showed us this map and it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. It was center city, Philadelphia. And there were red dots that represented where all the building permits were pulled. And so what you saw, if you know, if you're familiar with center city is in center city, it was like a big void where there were no rental, no building permits being done because center city, the core of it is like the expensive already a, a space office, you know, a office building and residential high rise and all that stuff. But as you went out, you could see this red thick band of the, where all the building permits were. And then it was almost like a wave that broke and you could just see like little red sprinkling. And so what I realized was all my investment properties that I buy and all the ones that my clients are buying are just the last red dots, just past where the wave broke. And that's exactly what I intuitively knew from being out on the street. But then when I saw this map, now I show it to investors and I'm like, see this red dot? You go right outside here and you buy because the wave is coming. And it was such a great visual for me that every single year I stalk this guy online and get his map. I, I like email him like, where's the map? Where's the map? Because I want to show it to people. And that's what we do. We just go outside, right outside the edge and just wait for the wave to come. I love it. I love it. And uh, you, you broke up just just a second there, but it was right when you were doing your best line. And, um, and for people who didn't hear it, she was saying that uh, she, she looks at this map um, that shows all the building permits. And um, there's a thick red line um, in the very in kind of in the near the center of the city. And from there, it kind of um, expands outwards. And so she goes right on the outside of all those dots. And she buys um, real estate, you know, investment properties where the, the, the wave is eventually going to reach. Um, exactly. and that's, that's really smart. Um, and I think that there's a whole term for that. It's uh, buying in the development path or something like that. Oh, maybe or, there's probably a term for it, but I'm, that's the thing. Like the whole statistics and definitions, I'm more of a, like, I see it, I feel it. And then I just make it, I'm very intuitive, but it's based on science, right? It's yeah, based yeah. on numbers. And data. Absolutely. Intuition is, uh, is another, you know, a softer form of science. Yeah. Um, that's great. I love it. That's a, that's a really good piece of advice. Um, 
So I want to go into kind of a few of your, the, the stories that you've had, um, you know, the, the true experiences that you've had so far in real estate. I mean, I'm sure you've bought and sold quite a few properties at this point. Um, so kind of take us to, uh, you know, we know that there's, there's real estate. It's a, it's a wave, you know, you go up, you go down, it's a roller coaster. Um, so take us to, to both the trough and the, the peak. Um, and tell us some of those experiences, you know, the hardest times and, and the lessons you learned and then, you know, the best times and what was the best deal that you've done so far? Um, the best deal, believe it or not, it was probably the first house I bought to live in my primary oh. residence. And I swore I've walked into this house. It had been in the same family for 90 years. It didn't even have a toilet. It had like one, it was just, but I love old houses. And I just walked in and instantly I was like, I love this house at home. And I thought I was never, ever, ever going to leave. And I restored and like had everything done. It was gorgeous. And then I got married and then sold it. And I was like, what the, and then I got divorced. So I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's already gone. But I made a fortune on it. I made an absolute fortune on it. And it was great because I paid off my student loans. I bought myself a diamond necklace and then the rest of it, I invested into more property. And that's how I got my bankroll to start doing my renovate and flips. So I did renovate and flips. And, and the thing is, and I hope the investors out there know this, this it's a day's work. It's not get rich quick. It's not winning the lottery. It's a day's work. <laughs> so you know, a couple days work, but days work. And I kept doing them. And um, then I would take the money and like put it aside and reinvest some of it. And then 2008 came and I had three projects going on and my contractor partnered with me on one of them. And I had a whole house of cards that was a domino effect and he got in financial trouble and stopped and I almost lost my shirt and it took me several years to crawl back all the while still working and raising two kids newly divorced. So with no child support. So I will tell you this, you can, it can, it can kill you. So you have to have a strong stomach. But I wouldn't trade it for anything because I learned a whole lot. I love it. I about, love it. Over about being overexposed. Overexposure. Okay. Over- so the lesson sounds like the lesson you learned was, uh, um, well, basically mitigate your risks. Don't uh, don't yeah. leverage yourself too far because um, you never know when the, the hammer will drop um, in the economy. And we all know the real estate market is cyclical no matter what. Um, every 10 years, they say it goes up, it goes down. Um, you're going to have fluctuations. So don't uh, don't leverage yourself beyond what you think um, is actually, right. you know, mitigate the risks as you go forward. And especially look at what's going on now with the pandemic. Who the F would have ever thought we'd have a pandemic and things would be shut down and in Philadelphia, my market was the last market in North America where real estate was allowed, in-person real estate activities. We oh. were completely shut down until March 19th, I think, completely. And we couldn't do anything. And that's not just real estate licensees. That's investors. That's con- construction, contractors. There was nothing. Appraisals weren't allowed in person. Everything had to be done remotely. And there were people, and there's the mortgage forbearance and all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, that w- helped a lot of people. But when you have one project 
and you have other things depending on that project, it sets off a domino effect. And so it's not just the cyclical, you could study the market and you could know everything that's going to happen based on economics and indicators and all that. And then a freaking pandemic hits. So definitely do not over leverage yourself. I'm telling you right now, I almost lost my shirt. I love it. Yeah, that's a, that is, I mean, it's pertinent advice for anybody out there, whether you're a, um, you know, you have a 12 million AUM or you got uh, two rental units, um, never over leverage, only bad things can come from that. Yep. Um, great. So, uh, so it sounds like, you know, you, you've been through the ups, you've been through the downs, you've learned a lot, um, but you're back on top. Um, so what brings you back to real estate? What do you love so much about it? It's kind of what I, I mean, I've always been doing it. I get it. And, um, I, I, what I love about real estate and remember, so I do a bunch of things. I call myself a real estate nerd because I am a broker. I still transact, you know, with buyers and sellers. I'm an investor and I also teach the real estate courses and I also teach how to build. So I'm kind of like a workaholic to the nth degree. <laughs> and I think what I love about real estate most, I mean, I find houses interesting, which is, I think what first got me, but I think that the real estate law and the financing is really fascinating. And the fact that there are so many different ways that you can invent yourself and reinvent yourself in this industry and make a living with freedom and flexibility and the ability to always expand your mind. I mean, my business has shifted and changed and grown so much over the past it's 24 years, the past 24 years that I've been doing this and I never get bored. Like I never get bored. And if I were an investor full time, my business would probably change also because I'm, I'm guessing that most of the investors out there, their investment strategy changes and ebbs and flows with the market and with their life. Right. I mean, you have little kids at home. Maybe you're doing rent and hold. Your kids are older or you don't have kids. You're able to go out and do renovate and flips because it takes, it's so much more time consuming or you want to buy a vacation home. So you're tying up your cash and now you can't put money into construction. Like the cool thing about it is that it dances with your life and you can make it whatever you want it to be. And if you get bored, you can go be a home inspector or an appraiser or a real estate agent. Like there's always somewhere to branch out or a loan officer, right? <laughs> so I, I never get bored with it. Yeah, I I like that phrase you just used. Yeah, real estate dances with your life. That's uh, I think I might I might take that one from you. you can mar- it's my, just put my name down there on quotes. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah give me credit. Fun. You can borrow it. You can use it. It's fine. absolutely absolutely. Um, so Janice, we are nearing the end of our time here. We like to keep these around twenty minutes. Um, so uh, before we leave, though, um, we I always like to leave off with uh, with guests giving their their absolute best piece of advice for real estate investors out there. Um, so if you could go back to the Janice who started pre-crash, pre-everything, you know, she was just getting out, um, just, you know, in that that uh, that class back in college when you just learned about real estate and that, uh, real estate as an industry. Um, mm-hmm. If you could go back to her and give her one piece of advice going forward, what would that piece of advice be? As a real estate investor, one piece of advice that I would give myself is start sooner. I would definitely start sooner because people are scared of it. And even here's the thing, the sooner you start, and this is with any kind of investing, this is, you know, with any way of, you know, like rich dad, poor dad, the Bible, right? Have your money work for you. 
put it into an income producing asset. The sooner you can do that and stop spending your money and, you know, using it as a, as a liability, the sooner you can be free. And even if you totally F up like I did when you made a mistake, here's the thing. Once you have that mindset, that wealth mindset, you're going to come right back up within minutes because you have that mindset. If you're working linear your whole life, you don't have that mindset. You're probably never going to fail, but you're also never going to exceed. And start the better. Even if you fall down, pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and start again. And here's the thing: you can fall. I talked to a friend of mine. I was having a financial worries a couple of months ago when COVID hit, and I called him up. He's really successful, and I was like, "Oh my god, I made this kind of money!" I was like freaking out. He's like, "Shut up!" I'm like, "What?" He goes do you know how to make money? And I said, yeah. He said, can anyone ever take that away from you? And I said, no. He said, get off the phone and go figure it out. And I did. I like it. That is a, that's a mentor that you want to keep in your life for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Janice, again, thank you very much for coming on. I'm sure I can speak for everyone listening and watching. Um, We appreciate the wisdom you shared. If anybody did want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, You could just, contact me on my website, Janice. Uh, Contact me on my brokerage website, settledownphiladelphia.com. And you can reach out to me there. We work in Philadelphia and New Jersey, but we can help you with investment strategies all over the place. Or you can come and invest in Philly. We have some really good, really good cap rates on rental stuff. Our housing prices are really low and our rents are really high and investors wet dream. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> but it is, it is our cap rates are sick. I might have to take you up on that. We're looking for multifamily okay. outside of Washington. So um, perfect. Well, again, thank you very much for, uh, for being here, um, for coming on the show. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact thank with Janice... You. Oh, yep. Uh, reach out to her um, on our website. Um, shoot, I forgot. It was... Uh, um, okay, Settle Down Philadelphia. SettleDownPhiladelphia.com. Um, I will also put her, uh, her LinkedIn um, profile in the show notes so you can reach out to her there. Um, and, and other than that, thank you for coming on. And for everybody else, we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Real Estate Investing Club. If you feel we've provided value, we would appreciate it if you hit that thumbs up, share with your friends online, whatever it may be. If you'd like to share or partner with us on an investment deal, we are always looking for quality projects. Go to www.therealestateinvestingclub.com to get in contact with one of our partners. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. 
So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.